Hello and welcome to this new episode of the Europe Chats. Today we're going to talk about the year 2024, which will be a momentous year, first because of the many challenges the EU faces, but also because we'll have European Parliament elections and we will have a changeover of the institutional composition of the various institutions. We'll have a new parliament, we'll have a new commission, we'll have a new president of the European Council. Now, there will be one important moment in June 2024, because the European Council will adopt what we call a new strategic agenda for the years 24 to 29, setting out the political direction where the Union is headed. In order to understand what this means and how it will happen, I have invited a senior official from the Belgian future presidency, Deputy Director General Wouter Tavernier, and a member of the so-called think tank community, Richard Youngs from Carnegie Europe. He's also a member of our board. Welcome, Wouter, and welcome, Richard. Uh, let me start, Wouter. I'll ask the same question to the two of you to start with. Uh, why does the European strategic agenda matter and what is it meant for well it is meant for it's a kind of a to-do list that from the european council to the new incoming commission uh, in which it is asked what uh, the commission has to focus on because uh, what are the priorities that it should uh, uh, work on. so this is mainly what it what it means hmm? it has been created after the lisbon treaty and it's now i think the fourth uh, agenda that the third the third agenda that will be uh, yeah. established but uh, we expect that this agenda will be quite important because the times are really challenging and normally this agenda sets out the kind of um, general things you can you can you can expect and the, the the 2019 agenda was very much focused on a description of what Europe should focus on right, based on the green, the digital, um, energy, um, this kind of this kind of, of of policies. We think that this time uh, there will be an extra layer that uh, we'll have to look at because this is the, there are three topics that will really determine the next five years of uh, European functioning and, and working, which are um, enlargement um, linked to that in parallel the internal reforms we will have to look at and then uh, the multi-financial framework and there is a new round and we know that this becomes more and more difficult to 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 to, to land last time we needed uh, four days to 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 find an agreement and we don't expect it to be more easy so we think that these topics have to be reflected some way or another into the new strategic agenda and um it will not be an easy task because you feel that with the incoming European elections that leaders are cautious, but leaders will have to determine that that agenda. Of course, at the moment they do and they approve, elections will be behind us and probably it will be important to focus on, 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 on what the citizen expects also from the European Union, which is a stronger uh, economy. Mm? We, have not, we, have thought, we have had the Green Deal. I think we need also to look at a kind of industrial deal yeah, where we are uh, able to reindustrialize and to look at more um, uh, independence of the European Union in that in that sense, 
we will have to look at the, what I would call the safety of the citizens. This is very, very important. And then, of course, I immediately think about um, um, social and health issues. I think about um, uh, migration, mm-hmm. um, how to manage migration also at an external level. Um, and then, uh, thirdly, uh, we will have to look at the future of the, of the European Union and the aspects I just mentioned. This is how we think the next strategic agenda will be shaped and looks quite challenging. I'm sure it looks challenging listening to you. The, the program is absolutely overwhelming. Richard? Yes, I agree with Walter that um, I think the strategic agenda can be extremely important. It's setting the medium-term guidelines for European uh, policies, and I think this strategic agenda will be particularly important. The two previous versions also came in challenging times. They also came at moments when there are a huge number of really pressing challenges. But I think that this agenda has something will have something different about it, which is that over the last four or five years, the EU has been dealing with a number of um, short-term immediate crises. It's had to deal with those crises. It's been in crisis mode. We all know that. In many senses, it's done a good job with the COVID pandemic, with the, um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the migration issue and other crises. But it does mean, it does mean that almost by necessity, the EU has had to develop its policies in a rather ad hoc nature. And I think now is a good time to take a step back, take stock and make sure that the way in which the EU is dealing with these immediate crises is um, compatible with its longer term visions. And I think in that sense, it will be particularly helpful and important at this particular juncture for the strategic agenda to set this medium term vision for the next uh, five years. Thank you very much. I I, uh, I very much agree with what you said about the, the kind of new way of approaching things, looking, uh, drawing the lessons from what has happened over the years. Because we've managed the crisis quite well, but we have, as you said, we have improvised. Uh, now I think we have to have a more systematic approach. Now, in order to do this, Wouter, if I can make them back to you, uh, how do you see the Belgian presidency helping prepare this European Council. As we know, post-Lisbon, the rotating presidency no longer chairs the European Council, and yet the rotating presidency has a role to play in preparing this. So can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, I I fully agree with with how you you, uh, pinpoint issues. Our role is relatively sober, but everyone looks to us on shaping the the whole topic. And so um, well, let's let's start by saying that, of course, the decision on the strategic agenda and how it looks like is in the hand of the leaders. They will determine uh, uh, the shape and the content. Um, we could try to do our best um, if we look um, how we can articulate between the General Affairs Council, where we, which we will um, preside, and the European Council. But of course, overall, it will be the European Council that will decide. We will try to look at how we can um, listen to member states. I think that's one of our, our, our central roles. How can we listen to member states and how can we help shaping the whole debate? That is a debate that will, of course, continue during the Belgian presidency, but will overlook the next years, the years to come. Um, when you see in the declaration of Granada, there are already six topics that are identified eh, in the in the strategic agenda. I think about uh, security, energy, migration, the involvement in the world. Well, I should say that this very much, they coincide very much with the uh, priorities of the Belgian presidents. 
And so we will try to, uh, for each of these topics, to have something, to have an input. Uh, when I look, for instance, at um, the social pillar, uh, we want to focus, we will organize several uh, summits. One will be together with the commission, another one will be uh, by the own presidency, but the the, uh, the, uh, the intention of it is that it will somehow uh, be mirrored in uh, um, in the strategic agenda at the end. Another topic is security. For us, and you feel, you see, this, the, the citizens is, is really expect the European Union to be more robust. We will try to, as you know, to finalize, of course, the migration pact, which is a difficult, a difficult topic. It's we are almost there, but you know, the summit, uh, the last meters are the, the most uh, intense and most difficult. So we will try. But we also want to shape it with a more broader uh, element, the, uh, how the European Union has to work together with third countries. So this, uh, these topics on how we work with African countries and other uh, parts of the world has to be reflected into the whole discussion on migration. Um, this will come back during our presidency. Then, um, And then, of course, uh, there is the, the economic part. Economic part, uh, you hear everywhere that Europe has to be more, become more competitive and that we have to do better and do more with this the, the internal market that has all brought us so much prosperity and uh, development. But, but that is sometimes in danger. If you see how um, it is sometimes a little bit challenged. So we would like to see how we can uh, strengthen this internal market. And therefore, we have asked the former Ital Italian Prime Minister, Letta, to make uh, a report, especially on the functioning on the internal market. And so uh, we hope that this will steer the discussion on this at the, the March summit, which is traditionally uh, economic-oriented. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, Wouter, I, uh, what I like very much in your answer is, and it's important for the viewers to realize that in the European Union, not one institution does things. It's the interplay between the institutions. And that is why the Belgian presidency is chairing the council, has a key role to play, like the Commission, like the European Parliament, many ways, in preparing, helping the leaders shape the agenda. And of course, one of the leaders will be the Belgian Prime Minister, who during the presidency has a bit of special role within the European Council. Uh, let me turn to, to, to Richard again. Uh, uh, Richard, uh, you have been the mastermind behind the recent TEPSA recommendations, which is our way of trying to influence a bit the future agenda. Can you say a bit, tell us a bit about what those recommendations are about and how we do it? So TEPSA, TEPSA members have um, across Europe have a great deal of uh, expertise, academic and think tank expertise, and we've tried to channel this expertise into the uh, presidency in the most useful way possible. Normally the recommendations pick up on a few themes that are most pressing to the agenda of each presidency um, and the call for most immediate decisions to be taken because the strategic agenda falls under the Belgian presidency. With this, we try to take a step back and look at these, some, some of these bigger overarching questions and offer some uh, constructive ideas of how they might be channeled into the exact way in which the strategic agenda is defined. So we've looked, as Walter was saying, at these big security issues, uh, both uh, defense-related security issues, but also the economic security and citizen security issues, the migration pact, uh, and of course the enlargement issue that will uh, um, ha have to advance during the next uh, four or five year period. Uh, and what we've tried to do is say uh, clearly these are the big priorities and a lot of the difficult politics 
of the next uh, institutional term will revolve around the priorities, how the council sets priorities and deals with the tensions and trade-offs that will inevitably have to be made between these different priorities. So uh, with these recommendations, we've tried to look uh, over the medium and longer term at some of these big issues that I think will define the solidity of the institution of the European project over the next four or five years. And as I say, use some of our expertise in members across Europe um, to try and uh, help the Belgian presidency through the thicket of uh, defining the next strategic agenda. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think uh, the think tank world has a lot to offer, provided we manage to establish the right link with the practitioners. It's not something which you do somewhere in outer space. You have grand ideas and no one listens to them. So I think that is what we try to do uh, at TEPSA. Now, the two of you have already, to a large extent, anticipated my 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 next question, which basically is, again, to, to highlight the really key issues uh, you want us to see. I think, Walter, you've already uh, done it in many ways. I think, uh, Richard, you also mentioned the various elements of... Would you like to add something about this in terms of substance before we go to the next question? Well, I think... Um what I what people ask me all the time is how we want to shape the debate on the future of Europe, of the European Union. And as I said, I think what we will try to do is to to be uh, of a help for what will be decided at the European Council. And in that, uh, from that point of view, we are planning to uh, to look at several as at the three important aspects of that of that question. The first one is about policies. Eh? What do we really want to do together? What have we have to focus more on and less on. Then uh, we will organize uh, uh, something on the future of the MFF. So that's about uh, with the budget. Will be will that will be together with the with the Commission. And another seminar will focus more on the institutional part. How the European Union has what it has to do to stay fit and to be able to be a reliable partner uh, uh, also throughout the world. And. But these, of course, will, will be seminars, uh, expert-level uh, topics. When it will come at a more political level, we will use, as I said before, the, the General Affairs Council and try to articulate somehow with what will happen afterwards in the European Council. We are aware that ultimately it is up to the European Council and the leaders. Uh, we should These questions are that important that we... But we want to, as you do, as, uh, as uh, TEPSA and other uh, um, uh, think tanks, we are living challenging times and we have to be creative and look and use all uh, citizens and all institutions, also member states, uh, how we can help uh, shaping this um, this broad agenda. Richard, I want to come back to you with a question. Uh, um, in the Shepo, which you wrote with Miriam Botinashvili, uh, to the uh, recommendations, you said something which struck me, that... Europe must do things differently in view of the uh, enormity of the challenges. What exactly do you mean by that and how should we do this? So our report identifies many of the same priorities. I think we're probably in agreement of the, the big issues, the big challenges in the EU that will have to be part of the strategic agenda. But we try to make a more overarching argument, which is this. The big challenge for the EU in a more structural way, is to get strike the right balance between dealing with immediate crises on the one hand and planning for longer-term reform on the other hand. That may seem a very trite and obvious point, but actually getting that balance right in decision-making is quite difficult. 
And it's clear that the EU has had to deal with these short-term crises. It will have to continue dealing with them over the next uh, four or five years. Uh, but it needs to make sure that while it is dealing with uh, events in Ukraine and other immediate crises, it doesn't dig itself into such a crisis mode that that precludes the longer-term thinking that is will be necessary over the next four or five years. So it's in that sense that we call for things to be done slightly differently. And we make the argument in that sense that the strategic agenda needs to not simply list individual areas of policy that we know will be important, uh, but open the way to m more of a qualitative rethink in the way that things like security are being approached, exactly how the enlargement process is likely to unfold, the tr very tricky relationship between the Migration Pact and the EU's aspirations to geopolitical power and building partnerships with third countries. So we find there that the kind of nexus between all these different issues is where some of the difficult uh, decisions will have to be made and that will determine the success of the next strategic agenda. I mean, just listening to you, I'm just thinking about the way the union normally functions, you know, and we struggle to be strategic. We struggle. We do lots of good things, but it's very piecemeal very often. And I think over the last years, uh, with the crisis we've gone through, and now those mega crises today, Ukraine, they're all linked. And you need a more general strategic outlook. I think that's a very important point. But there's also another point I'd like to make, and I uh, asked first uh, about, about this. Uh, it's all very nice to have pieces of paper. We're very good at that. I mean, we write conclusions, we have the strategic agendas, we have all of that. The problem sometimes is, how do you translate that into reality? How do you implement it and all that? And uh, I, I was wondering whether you had started a bit from think tank and practitioner's position. Uh, what should be done in order to make this rather general document. It will not be a very detailed document by nature because it fixes the strategic orientations. But what should the leaders do to make sure that it actually happens over the next years? Wouter, do you have any ideas on that? Well, this is a, we, I, well, that's a general um, challenge the European Union faces since many years. Right? We decide on many topics. Implementation of it sometimes uh, can be slow or can be, so we have to probably, in our opinion, we have to look at two parts, the proper implementation. And this is, in our opinion, it's a, it has always been a duty of the Commission. And the Commission in the last five years has been very much focused on the new challenges. And it was actually challenged by the situation, uh, the war in Ukraine, the COVID crisis, all this. We didn't think about it when we wrote the, the last uh, strategic agenda. And But in, it has maybe lost a little bit the main focus that it had in the past, which was on implementation of what we decide to do. So there we think there is something specific for the next commission that can be looked at. And we'll, we'll have to find a creative way of how to... I also think that the, the respect for the decision of the internal market and the functioning of the internal market that has been challenged quite a bit in the last years has, could, be, uh, could receive some more attention, not only from the commission, but also and mainly from the commission. And then, of course, the second topic is how to speed up. You also mentioned it, that we have to make a distinction between the short term and the longer term. Eh? It is clear that sometimes we are not 
we are lacking behind in in the, the in how we can uh, implement things. And there we think that we should be we should look at the issue. This is a topic that is not new. What is called better regulation, and also the administrative burden. That's something you you hear very often. Eh? That uh, uh, world uh, the United States are very strong. In Europe is is quite slow. Slow. So this is something you hear it both from citizens and uh, member states that we really have to to tackle and 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 look look into. And this is something for the next for the next uh, years uh, to to end. Yes, uh, uh, you make a very good point, uh, and that is that the the strategic agenda asks the what question: What should we do? And that is for the leaders collectively. Incidentally, the President's Commission sits in the European Council. You think. I agree with you that the, maybe the main task of the Commission is less to say what we should do, but it's to do how to do it. That's how the Commission has a lot of influence and is the only one who can actually do this. I, I, I think that's a very important point. Richard, what do you think about Yeah, I'd make a, more of an analytical point that I think is very interesting, Jim, that uh, the criticism of the EU was always that it was, as you say, it was good at setting strategic documents, very general sense. And it was very bad at responding to uh, concrete crises, implementing things on the ground. In a way, I think over the last decade, that's almost changed around. That the EU hasn't done a bad job, it seems to me, of being quite pragmatic and responding to many crises, perhaps without complete success. We all know the criticisms. But in a way, it has shown some flexibility with the economic crisis, the migration issue, the pandemic, so on and so forth, all, all these economic security issues. And it seems to me that what the agenda needs to do is to kind of get back to um, setting some guidelines that make sure that these immediate ad hoc uh, crisis responses are actually trying to channel towards a longer term vision, which seems to me lacking over the last uh, four or five years, a vision towards which all these crisis responses are heading, which I realize doesn't answer your question of how we make sure the agenda is actually implemented. Perhaps that's where TEPSA and other um, uh, think tank institutes have a, will have a role in monitoring, perhaps coming up with suggestions for indicators. Some indicators, as you were um, suggesting, Walter, that uh, where we could identify steps that would go against the strategic agenda if the, if the governments are setting these uh, targets and uh, aspirations and then they are acting in ways that are directly contrary to their their own uh, set interests and aspirations, uh, probably we, we ought to be able to define indicators that, that pick that tension up and hold uh, governments to account. That would be uh, an innovation on the part of the think tanks because the think tanks also like to very often say, what should we do and then have grand ideas? But this is an interesting one. I think of something else which the European Council classically does, but which... I would this time even hope they would do in the margins of adopting the strategic agenda is immediately do some tasking and say, for instance, uh, I don't know. I mean, one of the ideas I would have would be to say, uh, we talk about autonomy, capacity to act resilience. Why don't we ask the commission over the next five years to look at every single of our policies and do up a kind of bilan like Monet did? Where do we have assets which we can use? and leverage where do we have missing elements or missing materials or missing uh, resources and what can we do for this how can we bridge the gap i think that would be something uh, what do you think about that we we you could 
the European Council could, at the same time as setting the orientations, also give some hints at how to do this. Would you agree? I fully agree with you. I, 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 I truly hope that there, there might be some next or um, Jean Monnet uh, kind of, of personality because we really need to think in a creative and out of the box way on how we can um, shape things in a in a more in a balanced and more different way. And if you look at the way he handled this, eh, I, um, is is that with his new uh, commissioners, he, he I think he were he was somewhere. He invited them in a, in a chateau in which they were discussing for like a few days on how Europe should be shaped and what was really important for the future and to be done. They have taken incredible decisions that uh, that really uh, made of the European Union the, the success we all consider it to be even today. And I, I very much agree with you what you said also on the, the more balanced approach, which, which is helpful. So this is, I think, what we definitely need. And if this could be done, both by European Council and Commission, it should, would be because they have to guide and lead, and it needs it needs this kind of um, insightness. That brings me to already my last question. But you want to add something to this? No, I'm just saying I, I agree with that. And I think that approach of kind of tasking, subtasking, yeah. could deal with something important, which would, could be that that could help avoid the situation where the strategic agenda gets too overladen with detail. So it keeps it free to identify, well, what we're saying, what's really important, where do we want to be heading, what is the EU likely to look like, what should it look like in 2030, 2040. So it sets a really kind of clear vision, which by definition can't get into the, the detail, but then we kind of come down, What it could open the way to coming down a level into the more detailed policy considerations as well. This brings me, uh, thank you very much, Richard. This brings me uh, to, to my last question, my final question. Both of you have talked about setting out strategic orientations, the big themes, uh, where should the union be headed and all of that. So my question to you is, on a personal level, what is your personal dream for the EU to, do, to be? What should the EU look like in 2030 and 2040? Maybe Richard first and then Wouter. Um, I, it would be a union of 33, 35 uh, members. It would be a union based on a more flexible model of integration. It would be a union that has made progress in defining what it means to be a geopolitical power uh, with, with more detail. Um, it would be a union more effective in um, securing stability around its borders. Uh, but perhaps most importantly, it would be a union much more capable of defending democratic norms amongst its own members and within which principles of the green transition have been really effectively mainstreamed across all other areas of policy because we know that's the big generational existential challenge on which the EU has made an, uh, quite a significant degree of progress but but it seems to be still needs to be um, put at the center of everything the EU does, the very rationale for Europe, the European project over the next 20, 30 years. Thank you very much. Wouter? Well, in my opinion, I think it, sh would be, it should be uh, ideally a, a union that is more assertive than it is today. Uh, we have to, uh, by that time, be able to identify and defend better than we do today uh, our own interests in a world that is much more now led by hard politics. We should not go into that trap. We have to uh, start from our own strength, and our own strength is the international rules-based order. The rule of law, this, this 
open and diverse societies that have made, that have brought peace and, and security and uh, prosperity in our societies. This is what we really have to build on and start on. And uh, just by thinking how we can defend it better at the international level in a more assertive way. And people call it now geopolitics, but it's much more focused on, we have been focused in the last 75 years on the European Union internally. We now have to find our place in the, in, in the world. Everyone or every citizen is expecting this leading role by the European Union. And I think that we will have to, uh, ideally, we, we look into a world where the United Nations also have been uh, 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 shifted in its uh, composition and where um, not only Europe, but also other parts of the world play an integral part of. This is necessary if we want to, to play this, the role, but we, we, we should be an assertive and attractive union that we are today and that we will stay if we believe in each other. We should not be afraid we are. We have everything in us to, to make this, uh, this shift uh, a reality. Thank you very much. That's a very nice conclusion. Uh, with this, we will conclude today's Europe chat. I would to, like to very warmly uh, thank our interlocutors for uh, what I thought was a highly interesting way of looking at the future, at the challenges for the European Union. There will be another Europe chat shortly uh, before the end of the year, which will be devoted to the issue of EU sanctions, particularly against Russia, but not only. We will try to understand what is going on and how they are being implemented. So please stay tuned in to TAPSA. Thank you very much. This podcast is co-funded by the European Union. The views and opinions expressed are, however, those of the authors only and do not necessarily reflect those of the European Union or European Education and Culture Executive Agency. Neither the European Union nor the Granting Authority can be held responsible for them. Thank you.